Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Dr. Plenty. I know many of you are trying to start families and many of you are working on your second, third or fourth baby and you might feel frustrated going through the motions or becoming restless because you don't have a positive test yet. So today we're going to chat about how time, meaning how much time it should take to get pregnant before you seek further help. So before we start talking about this, let me say this. Everyone's journey to a family is a little bit different. Just because we're going to talk about these norms, know that these are average lengths of time and average situations. Sometimes your situation is unique, right? Like everybody is different. And this can still be very normal. So your unique situation doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. So don't go calling your OBGYN's office telling them, well, Dr. Plenty said I have a problem. I didn't say that. Listen to the whole episode before you pause to Google and assume you have an issue because you might not have any issues at all. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, here are the facts about timing. For women who are under age 35 years old, Pregnancy can take up to a year before your OBGYN will refer you to an infertility specialist or who's called a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist or give you medicines themselves for ovulation induction or to increase the likelihood that you are going to release an egg um, every single month. For women over 35, OBGYNs will try to let you uh, achieve pregnancy naturally for half that amount of time. So six months before they give you medicines for ovulation induction or refer you to a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist or what's called an REI. So they wait less time because we know that the amount of eggs that you have decreases as you age. You are born with all the eggs that you're going to have in your life, okay? And so you can't make more eggs. So once you reach a certain age, since we know that the the age of the egg is actually increasing, which means the quality of the egg is decreasing and the sheer number of eggs you have are less, we're going to wait less time to refer you or treat you. Sometimes there are special situations that defy these time limits, which means that we should refer you to specialists sooner rather than wait the six months if you're over age 35 or the year if you're under age 35. And so some of the main reasons we would refer you early is if you have fibroids, you might be referred to a minimally invasive surgeon or a reproductive endocrinologist early to remove or address the fibroids first. 
Most OBGYNs will also refer you prior to a year if you're less than 35 years old, because we know that there's an issue that can that can cause you to have decreased fertility and that's the fibroids and so before we let you wait a whole year with fibroids we should probably address whether or not we should remove these fibroids first if you're over 35 years old and you have multiple fibroids most OBGYNs um, can remove them themselves or will refer you immediately without waiting that six months like I said before for people that are under age 35 if you have a history of miscarriages um, if you've been pregnant in the past, then we know you don't have an issue getting pregnant. Moms, it means you have an issue staying pregnant. So that's the challenge for you. Therefore, you'll be referred early. Most uh, most of you even get a preconception consult with an REI or reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist or someone like me and maternal fetal medicine specialist right after the miscarriage if you've had more than one. And the reason they refer you if you've had more than one, and honestly, I get referrals even after one, is because we want to make sure we know why you've had a miscarriage, okay? So if you have a family history of miscarriages, it could mean that you have a, a clotting disorder that we don't know about that causes microvascular clotting, which can predispose you to have miscarriages. If you have something like fibroids and the fibroid is blocking the cavity, that could be the reason that you have a miscarriage. If you have a medical condition, like diabetes that's not really well controlled, that in itself could cause you to have a miscarriage. If you got COVID, that could cause you to have a miscarriage. So there are reasons that people have miscarriages. So if you've had more than one miscarriage, you should have a preconception consult before. And that would be a reason that you might need to have a, a further treatment, um, something to help you ovulate or something to help you stay pregnant. Um, because like I said before, a miscarriage means you can get pregnant. That's the good thing about it. It's just making sure that you stay pregnant and stay pregnant long enough that you have a healthy live baby at the end of your pregnancy. If you have genetic problems, that would definitely be a reason that you would be referred for help sooner. So we're not going to let you wait a whole year trying to conceive, knowing that you're predisposed to have a baby with a genetic condition that may not survive pregnancy. So obviously, if you have that, we're going to want to see you. So if you know you have a genetic condition in the family, you'll need a referral for genetic counseling. And that genetic counseling usually is going to be with a, an actual genetic counselor with an MFM that is going to go through your history and tell you this is the risk if you try to get pregnant um, naturally on your own. This is the chance that your baby would have a genetic condition. So if you have a genetic condition that's autosomal recessive, then we know that if you and the father are both carriers of that genetic condition, then we know that the baby has a 25% chance. If you have something that's X-linked um, and you have a boy, then we know that your boy is going to have it. Okay, if you have the disease, then that means you carry it on both X's if it's X-linked. So there are certain conditions that we need to go through with you and talk to you about what's the likelihood that your child is going to have this because that can affect not only you getting pregnant, but it can affect your children also getting pregnant and if you would ever have children. So this is important before even trying to be pregnant. So nobody's going to let you wait six months if you're 35 or a year if you're under 35. 
Um, if you want to get pregnant and avoid a certain genetic condition, you'll need a referral to a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist to go through IVF. Through IVF or in vitro fertilization, eggs are retrieved and then they're fertilized outside of the body. The embryos, which is just a fertilized egg, egg that's fertilized with sperm, whether that's your egg and your spouse's sperm or whether that's a donor egg and donor sperm. Either way, fertilization creates an embryo, those first cells of life. The embryos are then tested for genetic conditions. And then you have the opportunity to get a genetically normal embryo implanted. That avoids you having a genetic problem. Now, if you have something that you want to avoid and you know you have the disease um, and they tell you that your child has a 100% chance because they know that it's X-linked or they know that it's something autosomal dominant and there's a 50-50 chance, you can also, or if they do the testing and you don't have any genetically normal embryos, then you can use a donor egg as well. And that way, you know that your child is not going to have that particular genetic condition. Okay. And then that way you can have a normal um, embryo implanted and have a normal pregnancy. If you have certain medical conditions like autoimmune disorders or high blood pressure, then you would need a referral early as well. And some autoimmune conditions in general make fertility low, okay, decreased fertility. So you want to make sure that you get those conditions under control first before you get pregnant. Even if you didn't have a condition that would affect fertility, if you have hypertension, diabetes, lupus, any condition that can affect a pregnancy, then your OBGYN will refer you for preconception and you would still need to wait six months or a year, depending on your age, before they would call the pregnancy abnormal, but they would send you for preconception consult because they want to optimize your chances of being safe in the pregnancy and having a normal, natural, um, uh, healthy pregnancy and a baby at the end, okay? So your timing is still the same. You still need to wait six months to a year before you get referred to an REI doctor um, unless that autoimmune condition has damaged your eggs, okay, and the quality of your eggs, then that would be something you need to refer for for IVF. Um, so anything that you may need IVF, nobody's going to wait and make you wait six months um, to a year. Okay, so now that we know how long it should take to get pregnant before needing a little extra help, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 29-year-old who has been trying to get pregnant for three years. She and her husband had a long-distance relationship until two years ago. She relocated to New Orleans to be with him because they were seriously trying to conceive. Her husband works offshore and is gone for two weeks a month. However, she has sex at least every other day while he's home. But she still has not been able to get pregnant. She works as a nurse and has no pertinent medical history and neither does her husband. Her mother had one miscarriage when she was in her 20s and didn't have her until five years later. She presents for a consultation to figure out why she can't get pregnant. In this situation, um, your mother having a miscarriage in her 20s is irrelevant to you, okay? I know that people think, well, this happened to my mom. That is not you, okay? And one miscarriage um, it could just be by chance, honestly. I know it's a loss of a child um, 
we suffer losses. I personally had a loss, but you have to realize that if you are, if you are a woman and you try long enough, it's almost like you will have a miscarriage because in your thirties, up to a third of women have miscarriages and in your twenties, 25% have miscarriages in the first trimester. And so it, it could, if your mom had a miscarriage, it could mean nothing. Okay. So I'm glad that you don't have any pertinent medical history, which means that you're healthy and your husband doesn't either, which means that you're both healthy. And it doesn't seem like you have any family history that's concerning at all because the mother's miscarriage is, miscarriage is not concerning. Um, the concern for me is your husband's not home. So your husband's not home two weeks out of four. And I understand that you're having sex every other day, which is great if you're having sex every other day while you're ovulating. But who's to say that you're actually ovulating? So I would encourage you to keep an ovulation calendar and actually see if he's home during the week of ovulation. Now, it makes me think that he's not because if you're having sex every other week for two weeks, that means to me that your period is on when he's not there. Okay, and so your most fertile eight to 10 days after the first day of your last menstrual cycle, which almost means that it would be better for your cycle to be going off when he's coming. And that way, you know, you're ovulating within a couple of days of him coming. It is not two weeks after your first after the first day of your menstrual cycle. It is eight days. So if you have a seven day menstrual cycle, the next day is a fertile day for you. The day after that is going to be probably the main day you're ovulating. And the day after that, the egg is still around. So those that is the most pertinent time to have sex. Those couple of days right after you finish your cycle, if you have a seven-day cycle. If you have a four-day cycle, it means that four days after your period ends, that that is going to be the time you need to start having sex. So days eight to ten. And you count it from day one is the first bleed day. Okay, and then day two is the second day of your cycle. Day three is the third day of your cycle. Day four is the fourth day of your cycle and count like that. Okay, so don't ever count from the ending of your cycle. It's always day one. And so if he's not there when your cycle is on and he comes a week after your cycle ends and you have a seven day cycle, you've missed your window. So what I would encourage you to do is one or two things. Either you can get um, IUI, meaning intrauterine insemination, and you can go to a reproductive endocrinologist during the times that you're ovulating, and they can basically um, inject uh, sperm into the through the cervix and make you get uh, pregnant that way, okay? So your egg, which is floating down the fallopian tube, will be uh, fertilized by your husband's sperm, but it will be artificial, right? Meaning it will be the uh, IUI, intrauterine insemination, and not by the sexual act. Or you can interrupt your cycle and re-regulate yourself, okay? So your OB can basically stop your cycles and then induce ovulation. So basically change the timing of your ovulatory cycles, which would be the most cost-effective thing to do. So you need to interrupt and re-regulate your cycles. If your husband is gone, like, oh, he's always gone the first two weeks of every month. Now, if he's gone sporadically, like, oh, he's gone, you know, the middle two weeks of the month this month, and then he skips a week and he's gone again in two weeks, and then he's off three weeks, and then he's back on three weeks, and then he's off a week, and then on two weeks. If he's not having a regular schedule, then you definitely need to jump to IUI, right? Because you can't time your cycle and disrupt your cycle every single month if he's not gone set weeks of the month. 
But if he's gone, like he's always gone the the last week and the first, the last week of the month and the first week of the month, he's always gone those two weeks. Then you can talk to your OB about stopping your cycle and trying to regulate your cycle and getting your cycle um, to a new normal so that you can ovulate when you know that he is there. Okay. Because you can have sex all day, 50 times a day. If you don't have an egg released, you will not get pregnant. And people that are like having, you know, are very young and getting pregnant and make you think, oh, it must be easy because we have all these teenagers that are pregnant. Actually, the fertility rate is actually lower. There are less people having babies now. It seems like there are more people because of the pandemic, but the numbers don't lie. The pregnancy rate, the birth rate is actually lower. Okay. And the teenage pregnancy rate is lower as well. It's not a a teen pregnancy crisis like when we were in high school like there are less teens having babies why because they're on instagram and tiktok and doing all these other things and they're not interacting with people in person as much anymore so the teen birth rate is actually down as well but when you do see somebody that's young get pregnant you think oh it was easy for them to get pregnant no they just had sex at like the wrong time, okay? Because you can only get pregnant a couple of days a month. So you have got to regulate your cycles to where you are ovulating when your husband's home. So I would encourage you to talk to your OBGYN about disrupting your cycles and starting and, and inducing ovulation so that you're regulating your cycles when your husband's home. But And also talk to your husband about the timing as well and making sure that his schedule is regular for the next six months so that you guys can go ahead and have a baby. And I would also tell you, go ahead and start prenatal vitamins because once you get this down pat, you probably won't take long to get pregnant. So go ahead and start prenatal vitamins with at least 800 micrograms of folic acid or same thing as folate in it that helps prevent spina bifida. The case pearl for the case is sex while ovulating is the only way to get pregnant on your own. Referral for IUI or in utero insemination might be an option as well if your husband and your timing can't align. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 33-year-old who has been trying to have a child with her husband now for seven months. She has one other child who is 10 years old from a previous marriage. It only took her two months to get pregnant with her daughter. Since her first child, she has gained a bit of weight, over 50 pounds, and now has a BMI of 49. She states that she still has a normal cycle every 35 to 36 days most of the year. She keeps an ovulation calendar and has sex during her fertile days. She presents to figure out if there is an issue that is stopping her from getting pregnant. This is such a loaded case. First of all, with your first child, it only took you, you know, a couple of months to get pregnant. Every pregnancy is different. And that was 10 years ago. Okay. So you were 23 then. So you had way more eggs then than you have now. 10 years is a lot of time in terms of the fertility world. So you have decreased um, the egg, the amount of eggs. So it's not abnormal for people to say, I got pregnant and I wasn't even trying then. And now I've, I had to try for six months to get pregnant. That is not abnormal. Okay. You have less eggs now than you had 10 years ago. And the fact that you have gained a little bit of weight can also add some challenges to that as well. And nobody's knocking you, girl, for gaining 50 pounds. Let me tell you, from the time I was 23 to, you know, 33, if I looked at that 10-year age gap, yeah, I probably gained about 40 myself. So I'm not knocking the, the weight gain. But I have to say that if you have a BMI of 49, then that means that 
we need to try to lose a little bit of weight because it could mean that that is the reason that you have problems with ovulation. Losing as little as 10 pounds can help normalize and regulate your cycles so that you are having normal monthly cycles. And I know that you say your cycles are normal every 35, 36 days. So for you, you're like, I see a cycle pretty much every month, but that is not a normal cycle. If you are ovulating less frequently than every 32 days, then you're not ovulating. 35 to 36 days, that is anovulatory bleeding. So that means that we can't depend on you ovulating. You might release an egg, you might not. So we need to know that we are releasing an egg every time you have a bleed. And so we can only guarantee that if you are having a cycle every 30 to 32 days, okay? Average cycles are 28 days. So when you use those fertility apps, depending on the app, it's going to tell you ovulating because it's going to base it on your uh, on a cycle that's 28 days. So if you put your last menstrual period in there, it's going to tell you your cycle is supposed to start on these days and this is when you ovulate. But if you're not starting your cycle on those days, it's going to move your ovulation days out based on when you start your cycles. But again, it's estimating your ovulatory days based on eight to 10 days after the first day of your cycle. But we know that's not true because you're not ovulating regularly. So every month, if you put that information in the app, if it's not a good app, because a good app will tell you you're not ovulating, right? Talk to your doctor if you haven't had a cycle. Check a pregnancy test if you haven't had a cycle. But if you have an app that's just like sort of counting the number of days and you put your cycles in there, it's going to give you arbitrary data. Yeah, it's going to tell you these are your fertile days, but it's still using calculations based on an average person of having a 30 to 32 day cycle. So I don't think that you're having normal monthly cycles. And therefore, I don't think that you are having ovulation every single month. And I think that that is that is your issue. Okay. so what I would encourage you to do is one, change your lifestyle in terms of eating habits, because when we we try to lose weight, 80% of it is what you eat, okay? Only 20% is exercise. You can't lose weight and keep it off just by exercise alone. It's not gonna stay off, okay? You might like exercise, go hard, you know, but as soon as you slack, you're gonna get that back on. And so you got to change what you actually put in your mouth. And so I would encourage you to change some of the things that you are doing in terms of nutrition. And I'm not telling you to go on a diet because I hate diets, but I would tell you, hey, it's time to have a come to Jesus with yourself and do some modifications in your in your habits. And that may mean something as simple as I'm not going to drink my calories. And I tell people that are postpartum this all the time. um, Once they get a really good habit of breastfeeding and because you, you should not decrease the calories in breastfeeding at least not until your milk production comes comes in. But when it's time for their next baby and they want to lose weight because they want to get to a healthy weight before they get pregnant again, I tell them, lose weight and do not drink your calories. That's the worst thing you can do is drink your calories. So alcohol has a lot of calories. Okay, vodka doesn't, right? So if you did keto, you could do vodka. But, um, but most alcohols have a lot of calories. And I would tell you, Even if you did a ketogenic diet and you say, oh, well, vodka is only, you know, three keto points, stay away from it initially, okay? Because you can't metabolize it as much as you think you can and you have to overhydrate. And so until you actually get to a breaking point where you've lost over 10 pounds, just cut all the alcohol out. 
Soft drinks are the devil. Just don't drink them. Okay. You want something sweet? Add those like little Dasani drops or crystallite drops into your water. Um, do not drink Cokes, Diet Cokes, sweet tea. And, and I would even caution Diet Cokes. Okay. Because Diet Cokes have these sweeteners and all this content that then breaks down into simple sugar and you can't metabolize that either. Okay. So they make you feel good and say it's diet. It's better than drinking real Coke. But it still has stuff in there that you can't really metabolize and it's going to stunt your weight loss. So drink water and things that you can add to your water because you know what's in that. Okay, so don't drink your calories. Doing something as simple as that, you can probably lose 10 pounds just by not drinking your calories. Okay, and then try to reward yourself with the the really good stuff, the po'boys and the gumbo and all that stuff. You should not eat that kind of stuff every day. Like treat yourself once a week and eat that kind of stuff, but try to keep a colorful diet um, for your daily, daily intake. Meaning you want fruits and vegetables and, you know, protein. You want a variety of things on your plate that are really colorful and fresh. Um, That and not drinking your calories is enough to allow you to lose 10 pounds and you only need to lose 10 pounds to start for your body, your brain to start saying, Hey, Oh, I need to ovulate again. I don't have these hormones that are stored there. That's telling me that I don't need to release hormones to ovulate, which are your FSH and LH. So you don't have those hormones lurking around. Okay. And it doesn't take much for to normalize your cycles in terms of weight loss. It does not take much. I have patients that weigh four or 500 pounds and they lose a tad bit of weight and they have unprotected sex and they end up in my office pregnant. They're like, well, I didn't think I was gonna get pregnant that mo- that soon. I said, didn't I just tell you it only takes 10 pounds of weight loss for you to start ovulating and now we haven't regulated to diabetes yet. So you can get pregnant really quickly if you lose just as little as 10 pounds, okay? That is what I would say. And I would say, keep up with your cycle. So lose a little bit of weight, keep up with your cycles, Once you start getting a normal monthly cycle, then you should be able to get pregnant. So for you, I would not wait a year to try to get pregnant on your own. You need to talk to your OB now so she can help you regulate your cycles. And if we can't lose weight, if you don't want to lose weight, then she can put you on medicines that can try to induce ovulation sooner. But most OBGYNs are going to tell you to lose 10 pounds before you get pregnant to try to do this on your own. Otherwise, you're on med- a whole bunch of medicines to try to regulate yourself when you really don't need to. It's just a, it's just a little bit. You only your cycles are only a little bit off. Okay, you can probably have a normal cycle in the three months. You have normal monthly cycles if you lose ten pounds. That is what I would tell you. Okay, so the case pearl for this case is normal ovulation occurs at least every thirty-two days. Less frequent than that requires further workup, so you don't need to wait. You need to talk to your OBGYN about regulating your cycles now so that you're not waiting to uh, regulate them a year from now, which could also take a little bit of time. Okay, medical intern, do we have any email cases? Yes, this one says, Dr. Plenty, I'm 39 years old and have fibroids. I recently got married a month ago. I had a miscarriage in my former marriage, but was told nothing was wrong with me. My mother had fertility issues. I'm not sure why. Should I seek an REI specialist now or wait six months and try to get pregnant on my own? Okay, so for you, you're 39 and you have fibroids. I would seek an REI specialist now. And before you say, oh, I'm going to go straight to an REI specialist, 
Most REI specialists are going to want you to talk to your OBGYN first, and then they will refer you um, to them. And I say that because, one, they're going to have to have a, a conversation about the fibroids. How big are the fibroids? Where are the fibroids at? How many do you have? Is it blocking the cavity or are they pedunculated? Meaning, are they on the stalk hanging from the outside of the uterus? So they're not in the cavity at all or affecting the integrity of the cavity. So they need to do a workup on you to figure out if the fibroids are actually causing the problem. Okay. And then you're 39. So at 35 or older, we tell you, hey, six months and then go. But when you're 40, we're like, no, go straight there because we need to make make sure we're working on this baby. You're 39 and you have the fibroids. So I would, if I were your OBGYN, go ahead and refer you to an REI specialist or I will go ahead and offer you um, a myomectomy, which is removal of those fibroids, or uh, an assessa, which is basically just um, uh, uterine artery embolization to try to embolize the, embolize the blood flow to those fibroids so that fibroids can shrink, and that's less invasive. Either way, I would treat these fibroids at 39 um, if you want to be aggressive. Now, if you're like, I definitely don't want surgery, I definitely don't want a procedure at all, and you want to try because you just got married, yeah, you can wait. You can try on your own naturally, and then if you don't get pregnant, then you could go uh, to an REI. But regardless, you need a consult first to figure that out, okay? You shouldn't just wait and not talk to somebody about your fibroids. So you do need a consult first so you can they can evaluate whether these fibroids are a must and have to be removed or whether you can wait because the fibroids aren't suspected to be the culprit and um, causing you a problem. Um, the fact that your mother had fertility issues and you don't know why, nine times out of 10, it was probably because of fibroids. Black women, 80% of us have fibroids at some point in our lives, okay? So, and at your age, um, you know, at least more than half will have fibroids right now. So if your mom had fertility issues, she probably had fibroids. And for some reason, we don't talk about this, right? So ask your mom, Hey, did you have fertility issues? So the fact that you even knew is good. Did you have fertility issues? If so, why? Um, did you have fibroids? Because women that have moms with fibroids are more likely to have fibroids. My mom had fibroids and ended up having a hysterectomy at 38. My mom, my actual mom. And I end up having fibroids at 36 and now I'm 38. You know, so I mean, it happens. Fibroids run in families. So nine times out of 10, if you don't have any medical problems, it was probably because of fibroids, okay? The one miscarriage that you had in your former marriage, I don't really know how long ago that was, but if it was a long time ago, it was probably just a miscarriage by chance. And I can't say that the fibroids you have now weren't the reason that you had uh, the miscarriage then because I just don't know how long ago it was. And I don't know if you have fibroids uh, at that time. But if you had fibroids at that time that, that's been present and you had a miscarriage and now you have fibroids, you have a new husband, then I wouldn't wait. I would just refer you. And I would actually encourage you to get the fibroids removed if they are um, anywhere near the cavity. So even if they're in the muscular layer, you're 39. I would be aggressive with you. That would be uh, my advice. All right, medical intern, are there any more cases for today? And she's shaking her head, no. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. 
I hope that you've learned more about how long it should take to become pregnant. If you'd like to, if you'd like help optimizing your health before pregnancy, you can now book a virtual consult with me online. See my link tree for details on how to schedule your consult. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to rate and leave a comment on your preferred platform. And don't keep me a secret. Make sure to share with your friends. And y'all go back and listen to season one as well. It was good. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Don't forget to also subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition pregnancy pearls is a mean old lion media production everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.